It was all a pipe dream, watching body boarding up on TV. Deep at reef, watching tension repeats, eating bakery feeds at 18, living the dream with no sunscreen. Yeah, we were so keen, surfing Aussie pipe, buying Riptide, eating shit. G'day and pies. welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast, the home of bodyboarding. Thank you for joining us on episode 25 of our verbal journaling, and I'm your host, Luke O'Connor. Well, the future is here. And wave pools are at the very front of that line when it comes to progressiveness and becomes to just futuristic progression in the sport. I mean, with bodyboarding, surfing, and any water sport, sport alike. And we're lucky enough today to have someone who has driven this idea forward and is looking to go international with his product in the future. I'd just love to um, introduce... Aaron Traves to the podcast. How are you, mate? Hey, Luke. Good, really well. How are you doing? Really well, mate. Really well. Like it's been um, a busy week. We've had a couple of guests on so far, and it's been just chockers with work and the fam. But other than that, it's good to have a bit of sun on the back. And um, yeah, just coming <laughs> into Christmas. How about, how about yourself, Aaron? Yeah, beautiful time. No, good, good. I'm actually at Toowoomba at the moment with my family, but I've been over to America in October and had we went to the Surf Park Summit which is uh, obviously the industry body, if you like, for all things surf parks. So that was great and had a few surfs at uh, Southern California and I had the privilege of of, uh, getting a day at Kelly Slater's surf ranch as well, which was very cool. Got to meet Kelly. So uh, it was a, a good trip overall. Yeah, man, anytime you get to meet a 13 times world champion, that's ridiculous. How was it surfing his pool? Oh, it's pretty epic, actually. I've always said that my dream state would be to have one of ours producing, you know, 2,000 rides an hour and right next to it have Kelly Slater's with its 45-second rides and barrel sections and what have you. It would be, be the best place to surf on the planet you'd never leave. And, uh, yeah, that experience convinced me that it's exactly right. They need to be right next to each other. No way. So in the future, could you see your product ending up in the vicinity to the Kelly Slater Wave Pool? Well, I keep putting it out there, mate, so I'm hoping someone will take it on and build both. So, you know, it's um, it would be like having Snapper Rocks and D-Bar and South Stratty all going off on a perfect cyclone swell every day and night for the rest of your life. So to me, that's a pretty neat surfing destination. Oh, my goodness. So sorry. Jeez, Louise. Got him silent. Um, I just want to... Uh, kind of go back to your beginnings, Aaron, because I, I know, you know, you'd be a very well-accomplished man to get to the position you are today with um with everything going on. And you're really leading – you're leading the front in wave pool technology. You know, there, there are a couple other prototypes around and, you know, there's um some really good feedback from all of them. But for your setup to have four different waves breaking at once, how does it feel to be driving that product all around the world? Yeah, I mean, it's been <laughs> a 10-year slog, actually, uh, but really satisfying to see it at this at this point where we've got, you know, 15 or 16 signed-on projects. There's another 40-plus in discussion around the world, and we expect the first two to get under construction the first half of next year. So one in Australia, one in the US, and then a whole project delivery pipeline from that. So it's... Yeah, it's great. It really, really thrilled. Really proud of the team. Proud of the 
400 plus shareholders we have have backed it all the way. So it's a bit surreal, to be honest. And do you feel like, um, did, did, did you feel like 10 years ago when you started this project, you know, what, what, what I'd really like to know as is, did you see it getting to these sort of levels? Because quite frankly, some of the footage that's coming out on your Instagram and on your website is is downright ludicrous. And you're so right when <laughs> the wind is light or there's no wind in those, you know, still Queensland mornings out in the out in the country. It, it is sheet glass and just pure perfection. Like you could you could mind surf it yeah, all day. Yeah. Did you ever think ten years ago that was going to be the product? Well, I, I did, but it was such a you know, uh, in a sense, a fantasy. I had a real, you know, confirmation that it would would always work, but there's a long way between tinkering in the backyard pool and in the paddock on the Sunshine Coast and, you know, watching people stand up in overhead slabs, you know, like it's a long, long thing. But, no, it, it, it's when I started, it was all I all I knew was that this idea would work and I had to do it. It was a real calling and compulsion, if you like. But I had no idea of the scale that the industry would be, the scale of the opportunity. Uh, so I just wanted to set out and prove that this idea could work and then take the next step from there. And so that's what's happened. And we've had people who've taken my dream and they've made it their dream. And then investors have got as excited as I was and sometimes even more excited than I was. <laughs> and we just keep solving the problems. And, and you know, Kit Sidwell, the co-inventor, was has been incredibly faithful and hardworking and we've got um, the whole the whole team of people in the corporate sense, so Ruben and Chris Hawley and Charles Foster and a bunch of others who just kept backing it and backing it and we keep solving the problems and it just keeps getting bigger and better. So, no, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect apart from it was something I just had to do. But, you know, we just come back from the surf park summit and sitting with, you know, around the table with billionaires in America who are so excited about this thing and want to help us take it to the world. So that's very cool. It is very cool, man. So I just want to take you back to the start of it. How did this all originate? You know, like how did the wheels become in motion? Was it just a spontaneous thought you had or did you see something that, you know, kind of spurred on an idea? How did this all originate? Well, you almost got to go back to 95. Um, I was living in Mackay working in underground coal mines and I couldn't sleep one night and being a spiritual man, I was praying for a good night's sleep and the more I prayed, the more awake I got. And then I said, hey, God, you're trying to tell me something and I got this idea and I sat up till three in the morning sketching out what was a different idea and this was a perfect um, endless wave around an island with a wave generator that would push up this endless wave. And I got super excited about that and annoyed my wife with it for months talking about it. Um, <laughs> but, I, but I didn't really know how to pull it off, like how do you actually get this thing going. At the same time, I had another idea for a, uh, a system, an invention to replace shuttle cars in the underground, and that seemed more sensible. So I set about pursuing that as a sideline, if you like, and we ended up winning a $3 million government grant and had mining companies and engineering company on board. And then the mining company got bought out and I was left sort of holding the the can. And, you know, this is a, years later and I thought, I, I think I'll stay married. So I just let that one go and then went back and to see what um, had happened with this original idea. 
So, and I found that seven years after I thought of it, a guy called Kevin Roberts in Florida had patented the exact concept. So wow. I called him. I called him and said, "Mate, great idea. That was my idea, but you know, I see you've already captured it. So, can I have the Australian rights?" And anyway, he thought I was some nutcase from Australia. So nothing happened of that. But he did say that Kelly Slater had been working with him, and then Greg Weber had patented a similar thing. So I thought, "Wow, I've missed the race. You know, I didn't act on my idea, and what to do?" And then. Years later, I was in Brisbane working in recruiting then, and um, I had this uh, spark of inspiration skimming rocks with my kids where I was picking up ever bigger rocks and throwing them into the lake, and I watched these ripples roll out, and they just seemed to peel across the shoreline perfectly. And I thought, wow, that that's really neat. If you could have a really big rock, that would be surfable. So anyway, I, I went to Canberra to work for a not-for-profit and after there about two months, I had kind of this confirmation that that idea had to be my next assignment. And so after a few years, it was time to pick it up and start tinkering. So when we went back to Brisbane, that's when I started tinkering the backyard pool. I went to a friend's paddock and just using this hand-built model to figure out, you know, how this thing would work. And then I did a crowdfunding campaign on uh, Indiegogo to try and raise money for a prototype and I got a big crowd but no funding. So, well, that's not true. I raised $1,100 out of the 500000 I was chasing to do a big prototype. But what had happened, I got a lot of comments and feedback from around the world that, hey, that's a cool idea, come build one here. So it convinced a good friend, Charles Foster, to put in six-figure sum and we built an automated prototype at the one-tenth scale, and that was amazing, and then convinced Ruben Buchanan to get on board, and we built a one-fifth scale down in Victoria and all the way refining on how this thing would operate and getting to the place where you could raise money and build the one-to-one scale, the 100% scale in your poon. So that's kind of the fast track of how we went from concept through you know years of prototyping and wrestling and getting to the big one. So yeah, insane. Pretty, pretty crazy, crazy journey. Yeah, yeah, that, that that really is. Um, you summarize it really well too. I was just kind of taking on a bit of a journey there, Aaron. I could just see it all unfolding in front of me as you as you were speaking. That's um that's quite an epic epic place to be. So with yeah. the with the park, mate, um you're saying it, it, it runs once a month. Um is 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 that because of um, you've been a prototype and you're still testing it or because you're not open to the public yet. What's the, um, what's the theory behind that? Yeah, so it's, we, we, we have planning approval to open it to the public, but there's still some work to be done. And the machine that we built there was really just a prototype. It was to last 160,000 cycles. Um, so we didn't even paint it because there was no point because it would basically be out of design life by the time the paint would wear off. So there's not much point. So so the idea being we just needed to prove the point and we didn't want to spend too much in case we had to change some things and we didn't spend too much on the liner initially because, you know, we were probably going to reshape some things. So we've done that. We've had to drain it and fix it and refill it two times now and we've built the machine and broke it and then broke another part and fixed that as well. So, yeah, true prototyping is where you're finding the limits. But the good thing about doing it, at one-to-one scale, it gives you the exact forces, the exact measures you need for the commercial one. So now our commercial design, you know, is incredibly robust. And so what we're about to build for the commercial one, you know, will be the 25-year, you know, full-strength 
full performance um, bells and whistles. So it's can't wait to get rid of the old one and build the new one. Yeah, definitely with all the testing. And from what we've seen already, it looks amazing. And I just wanted to know, how does the mechanism in the middle of the pool work? You know, how does it create those waves and, and how do you have each bank shaped um, in, in, like in, in regards to your, your monthly setup? Yeah, so it, it's a basically a floating ship, that big tub that sits out there. So it weighs 1,400 tonnes and we power it with compressed air which then drives a hydraulic force in the middle, which is just the water from the lake. So it's part of our patented system, how it can move up and down quickly with no friction. And then, yeah, so the idea is you use the air to provide the force and that transfers to the water, which lifts the ship out of the water. And then you turn the air off and it falls down again and then you drive it up as it swings up. So you get it moving in harmony with the water. And that produces this perfect particle motion. That's why the, the waves look and feel just in the like barrel stalling, big balls. It's really like quite incredible how realistic they are. And that's the shock for most people is they like it. They see it looks good. They get there and you, and you just listen to them absolutely ranting and raving about <laughs> the quality of the waves because they just can't believe it. It's like, wow, this is like the best freaking wave I've ever surfed in my life, you know. So so it feels like the ocean, it looks like the ocean, it, uh, it's got the power of a seriously barreling wave in the ocean. And then there's the beach break as well, which is still powerful, but it's obviously not a barreling wave. It's there for middle-aged longboarders like me. So, yeah, so Damn that's man. swell. That's there's swell right in every craft. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got white water for beginners, you've got the rolling beach break style, and then it, gets progressively more um, powerful and aggressive so that you can uh, apply yourself and be challenged at any level. So the, the slab, the island wave is, you know, perfect for extreme bodyboarders. Ockies is great for bodyboarders as well. Uh, well, they all are, but, you know, bodyboarders like to get barreled. So we've seen Ben Player. There's a video on Instagram. I'm, I'm sure it's a 13-second barrel on Ockies right, which is wow. absurd. You know, I had to count it twice. I didn't know whether he'd slowed it down, but it's not. And I've, I've watched him get 10-second barrels there regularly. So Man, he just he, milks it he, to the end. Yeah, he's an incredible bodyboarder. I was only just going to ask, how is the feedback from the athletes? Because you do have, you know, one of surfing's best and, and one of bodyboarding's best right there giving you direct oh, feedback. Yeah. And are they part of the the proffers that are just coming back with smiles wider than um, the Brooklyn Bridge? Oh yeah, no, absolutely no. Ben Ben loves it. He's a raving fan. The island break, that slab. I mean, he's got it on a string now, but it's challenging, man. It's it's really heavy. And um, Oki, you know, when after Dingo proved it could be surfed, Oki had to have a go, and so he's he's got nailed the left and Jay and a few others. So you know, it's it's all very doable. But from the bodyboarding perspective, it's unbelievable. It's I actually had a go. I, I'm not much of a bodyboarder yet, but I'm learning because I want to get barreled properly and get onto the slab. And so Ben took me for a lesson and I got pitched out of the lip at Ockies and did a full handstand off the bottom and got flipped about four times. It was really, really <laughs> powerful. Jeez, who made this? This is intense. Oh. <laughs> I, got, I got totally destroyed. It was the worst wipe out of my life on a bodyboard because I was a bit overconfident thinking how hard could it be, right? But it's, it's quite a skill set. So I'm really excited to be um, in the Gold Coast Bodyboarding Club now and Ben Peasley's taking me under under my wing, under his wing 
to uh, teach me the, the skills. Yeah, wow, that's really cool. So you were originally um, a surfer in your younger years? Yeah, so I grew up in Yapoon, strangely enough, where the prototype is. So uh, when you go up to Farnborough Beach, there's a the Capricorn Channel, which is, you know, a break in the reef. So north of that, you have the Swains Reef. South of that, you've got the Keppel Islands, but there's a break there. So you do get genuine groundswell through there, but it's pretty wind-affected and inconsistent. But, you know, on its day, it's as good as any beach break anywhere. So, you know, we grew up surfing there. We'd camp in the dunes and roll out of there on a Saturday morning, the crack of dawn, and surf yourself stupid. So it was it's a real surf town, but people don't think of waves in Yapoon because they just think of Agnes Waters as the most northern surf break. And Agnes Waters is certainly better. Um, than the options at Yapoon, but it's still, yeah, that's where I learned to surf. But they were pretty, you know, fat, easy beach breaks, so getting to the Gold Coast was a bit of a rude shock with the pitching barrels. Yeah, 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 for sure, different sort of waves altogether. I was only just thinking um, about when you were describing where you grew up surfing, man, around Yapoon. Did you ever have to deal with any insane wildlife out there and around those breaks? No, no, I mean... You know, you, you you hear reports of people seeing crocs, and I, yeah, I, I did say crocs. I thought that might be a thing. Yeah, I've never seen one. So you know, yes, okay, there, there is one that drifts through occasionally, but you know, they are pretty well fed. I don't think they bother with the surfers. Um, but there are tiger sharks there. So you know, but again, I've never seen one. I actually kicked one once. There were seven trawlers off there, and I was stupid enough to go surfing in a thirty knot southeasterly with trawlers around, but. <laughs> well, that got me out of the water pretty quickly once I run into one, but I've, you know, I've never seen one, so therefore it, it helps alleviate the uh, the idea, right? Yeah, for sure. To put it in the back of your mind, I think this comes That's up a lot it. in conversation, but it's just one of those things in any sort of, um, I guess you could call it foreign territory. Um, yeah. You know, it, yeah, it doesn't matter how many times you hop into it, you're not really you're not really from there, but um. Yeah, you just got to put it in the back of your mind. I, th- I think that's the only way to do it. Yeah, but no, I've never had any trouble there and, and, you know, all going well. No one else has either. So it's it's a pretty friendly sort of location for surfing. It's actually a really good spot to learn to surf because you go from Farnborough Beach. So if it's a, you know, head high plus day at Farnborough, as you head back to your poon, you're in the shadow of the islands. So it gets progressively smaller. So you can actually find waves to your size and it's just a big wide flat beach so it's just really easy to learn on so it's it's the perfect learn to surf location which you know i didn't realize there growing up but you look at it now and it's ideal so you know the locals are obviously thrilled that we're pushing the project forward there because they'll have the best most consistent waves day and night as well as this wonderful beach location which on its day is is super fun yeah, that's insane. Does it feel pretty special, you know, putting your project back where you grew up? Has it got a real sentimental value to it? Oh, 100%. It's just a gift, mate. I, you know, that was not our plan. We were just looking for a site that we can move fast and we're looking everywhere from far north Queensland to Victoria trying to find a place where we could just get in and build this big prototype. And the Livingston Shire Council and Mary Carroll from Capricorn Enterprise just said, hey, do it here and signed off that we could run it for two years as a prototype in the farmer's paddock, which is unheard of. And then now we've got full approval. So it's, a, it's you know, it's a fantasy come true. It's really crazy. It's so exciting. 
Yeah, that really is. It's almost like a childhood dream, man. A, that's a childhood dream come true. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I've had so many people from different parts of the world talk about the same thing. And our one guy sent a picture of he had designed pretty much the same thing as we've made, you know, way back, but he never did anything about it. And so there's been a few people saying, hey, that was my idea. So, but anyway, we've patented it and we're sending it all around the world so they get to enjoy it anyway. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. And I guess there's always going to be a bit of healthy competition there when it, when it comes to such a, an amazing product. I just wanted to ask, mate, um, about the pool itself. You know, going back to how it, how it, like how it operates, I'm just trying to really pick it apart because I, I think sure. it's fantastic. But how's the um, the filtration system work in your pool? In the, the prototype, we don't have one, but we've obviously got the, a range of options for the commercial ones. So the water will be you know, finely filtered uh, and treated so that it's perfectly safe for swimming. And, um, yeah, so there's different options there. So depending on the jurisdiction, some need a residual chlorine. Others can use it as a recreational lake where as long as it's filtered and safe, you don't need to have chlorine. And because it's a 100 megalitre, you know, lake, it's a large body of water. So it's, it's impossible to treat it like a swimming pool but you do need to filter it. But you can't. It's just that you can't load it up like you would load up a normal swimming pool because it's just too big. So it's, I, it's kind of the perfect, you know, the perfect um, situation for water treatment because you're moving and agitating. The water's getting, you know, um, mixed all the time. And as long as you filter it, it's pretty safe. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I just wanted to. Go back to the size of it, mate. Did you just say 100 million litres? Yeah, 100 megalitres, yeah. Yeah, that's solid. Because, you know, when you think about a normal Olympic swimming pool being around maybe 1.5 to 2 million litres, that's yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of Olympic swimming pools. Yeah, that's amazing. It's it's a serious lake, you know, hence the name. But um, it's um, it's a big body of water. Um, but what it creates is a phenomenal ocean-like experience. So you're out there and, yes, you have the, the giant um, plunger, but it's, um, yeah, once you're surfing, it's you're just surfing towards the beach with this perfect A-frame and working your way towards the channel. So it's about as good as it gets in terms of, you know, artificial wave experiences. And, and a lot of people comment on that. They just love the fact that you're congregating out there as a crew, you're splitting the peak, you know, the machine is actually pretty compelling. It's exciting enough by itself, but then the waves are, are pretty epic. Dude, the machine looks like out of um, something out of the Wild Wild West or something out of yeah. movie world when they had that um, Wild Wild West, uh, Wild Wild West ride there. I can't remember what it was named, but I just remember yeah. it just having that rust-like look. It looks so industrialised. It was... Um, yeah, it's super trippy to, to to look at. And when I was only, only going over Instagram before, how cool is the mountain in the background? Like, do you, you've know, surely right? had night shoots there, or have you had like slow shutter speed or something doing? Because that is like it's trippy as it, it really is in a, in a special location. It is, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's funny because years before we were ever thinking about going there, I'd drive down to Yapoon and I'd look across these paddocks and think, gee, we could build one here to be amazing. And that's where we ended up. It was quite quite incredible. So it's uh, it's quite a um, yeah, it's quite a 
quite an important location for the local Durumble people. It used to be, you know, for generations, it was a gathering place for that whole region. And so you've got the Mount Bargar in the background and Gaia at the other side, and you're nestled between all these volcanic plugs. So wherever you look, you've got these volcanic mountains in the background. So it is it is a phenomenal location. It's just truly beautiful. And so the, some of the sunsets are outrageous, and you'll see some of the shots on the Instagram. But, um, yeah, you couldn't ask for a more picturesque backdrop. Of course, we've, you know, interrupted it with this alien-looking beast rising out of the mist. But, you know, people kind of like the contrast, you know. They like the wild machine with this um, background. It'll get dressed up for the commercial one, but it'll still be pretty compelling. Yeah, but and also, too, you've got to think that this park is now giving, you know, another arm and a leg to, to all type of water sports because they can now have this this pool section, you know. They can now hone their skills over and over again in these repeat settings and get things down yeah. to the millimetre. Like, it's freakish to think what's going to happen. It, like it, it's one thing yeah. to... to nail it on a moving wave with imperfections and there's so many different things uh, and variables in the ocean. And I dare say there'd still be variables in the pool too, but to have that consistency there is just going to skyrocket skill sets to the, to the fucking hills, mate. It's crazy. <laughs> no, that's it. And look, wave pools are already doing that in general. If you look at what's happening in Waco and, and what wave garden are doing, you're seeing it already. You're seeing this, this um, acceleration of riding skills it's not helping ocean sense but certainly wave riding skills uh and we've seen that even with the locals just on our demo we had one of the lads there daniel patterson who he was an okay surfer when he first joined us just out of school on the laboring team now he pulls into the slab regularly with ease you know like he's charging so it's amazing to see the difference just in a small way and you know my my surfing's improved a little bit, but I've got a long way to go. But you no, know, it is. It's 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 a phenomenal period for surfing because in in our case, you've got accessibility to a lot of waves and that simultaneous variety. So you just don't need to be anywhere else. You can get it all done in the one lake. Surf photographers can do their job with all the different light and setting and wind directions and what have you. It's they just they find it quite overwhelming. There's too much to shoot all at the same time. And then you've got everything from, you know, body surfers, body boarders, shortboard, longboard, every other craft, um, stand-up, foils. We had skimboarders in there recently doing cable tow across the lake and hitting the beachy. And, and you know, we, the, life's, the local surf lifesavers want to come out and run their rubber ducky up the beach break and practice wave jumping. And it's, it's really cool. There's, and, and what we know is if you look at the ski uh, industry, snow skiing, there's 6,000 ski resorts in the world and they can only operate in winter on a mountain somewhere. So we are, particularly our tech, uh, is the, the surfing equivalent of a ski resort where you've got multiple runs and you can build an entire township around this. So if there's 6,000 ski resorts and they can only operate in winter, we figured there's, there's got to be at least a 1,000 surf parks that can be built out there, you know, and then some, you know, water and power permitting, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a big future. It's, it's, it's huge. There's an entire industry that's going to unfold and is unfolding out of this um, that you, 
people people don't even realise what it's going to be like. We do because we're building them, but yeah, and the people have no idea at this stage the the phenomenon that's coming. Well, then, please tell the people, Aaron, what is the future? Oh yeah, yeah. Why is right. technology? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. If if you look at you know what. You know, I mean, what we what we have available now, and if you you know if you focus on just bodyboarding, um, you've got the perfect canvas, right? From rolling beach breaks to fast, thin barrels like Ockies to heavy slabs, at you know, which up to about a nine foot face in our lake. So that's pretty solid. You can train for chopu, train for anything, um, and you'll be able to just push the limits, practice whatever you want day in, day out. Um, and then, and because it's got a real ocean feel, the skills are directly transferable to the ocean. So you don't have to adjust your style to this, to this wave because it just feels like an ocean wave. So I don't know where that'll go, but it's all we know is the skill level is going to go up. The performance is going to go up. The numbers of um, people with that ability will increase. So, just like it's done in skydiving with the indoor skydiving ramps, just like it's done with um, rock climbing with indoor rock climbing, this is the equivalent. So it's about to go vertical. Yeah, I'm just starting to think about all the industry that's going to be developed out of this. You're just thinking about yeah. the the pool purpose boards, you know what I mean, that'll just be designed mm-hmm. for the wave pool. There'll be tweaks. There'll be maybe even some fiberglass hopefully put into bodyboards for the air sections. That might not be the nicest for the landings, but I'm sure there'll be a bit of cushion in the deck with a bit of foam. Yeah, just, absolutely. Um, yeah, and then just all the different things that you're going to be offering at the parks, like I'm, you know, going down to the wave pool at Melbourne, um, that's just Damien that King, just what away, up, King? You know what I mean? when he's and, and that, that's obviously an amazing setup, and I, I think they've done so well with integrating yeah. like the restaurants, the bars. I love the hop, um, the hot tubs there. You know, like the locker system and and yeah. all the board hire and everything. Like they're definitely doing really well. But then to think yes. that your park's offering up four waves, and you could. If if can I just clarify this? And I think you said this beforehand. Could you say your, you know, your your handover wave pools to the public are going to offer nine foot wave faces? Yeah, at the at the biggest setting on the island, yes. So wow, pretty solid. Well, if you look at, I don't know if you've seen the pictures. There's a there's a great shot of Kobe Pergovic standing almost straight up in in the uh, the slab. Um, which, you know, you can measure that as an eight-foot face now, and that's only at a four-and-a-half-metre stroke of the machine. The machine will go to operate at a five-and-a-half-metre stroke. So if you take that wave and, you know, amplify it a little bit, that's that's what's going to be produced. So, um, yeah, there's enough grunt, there's enough power there, and that's before we go for a bigger model. There's people talking about that. That's our XL model, which is what you know, the size of the Yapoon one. You can take that further. It's exactly the same technologies that just scale up a bit more. Um, so we're not sure where the upper limit is, but if you take that machine and and um, increase it from, say, 26 metres diameter to 33 and run it on a, a bigger stroke, then the numbers show it could be a 15-foot face. So that's serious particularly because it'll carry the same power and shape 
as we're seeing now. So that's like Pipeline or Chopra with the push of a button. And that's going to be fun. That is just in – that's, you know, for 99% of people, I would dare say 15-foot faces is pretty challenging. That's that's, – yeah. That's insane. And that's what I mean. Most people, most people are happy with what we're producing now, but but you just got to look forward in five years' time. You know, let's 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 say we've got ten of these open. Suddenly, you've got you know thousands of people a week who are going through developing their skills and getting these things nailed. So the next question, the last will will can we go bigger? So someone will do it. We're already having some conversations where they're wanting to. It's just justification for it. So, and then, you know, we, I was talking to, I got to meet Steph Gilmore recently as well and asking her about the tour and the waves and, and most of the spots on tour now, they, they've timed it in a way that they are overhead waves. So if you want to be Olympic level surfer, you've got to train in overhead waves. So that's what we can do. We can provide that every day of the week. But, you know, going another step bigger would be phenomenal. You imagine events where you can just dial it to code red on a Friday night at 7 p.m. and you're punching out, you know, 10 to 15-foot barrels spitting at you in both channels with, um, yeah, what what that can do for the visibility of your sport, of every craft that's out there. Yeah, 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 definitely. The progression's crazy. And I just want to put a keynote into this podcast. Sorry to interrupt, Aaron. We'll yeah. get back to that point straight away. And I've just had a bit of a, a mental moment with myself. I stupidly <laughs> said at the um at the uh, when we were exchanging comments at the start that Kelly Slater won thirteen world titles. He definitely is not. He's won eleven. I'm really yeah, sorry yeah. about that. That was no, just a disgraceful right. oversight on my behalf. But um, back to the um, who's, who's to counting? The, You've got eleven. He probably will get thirteen. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hope so. I hope he keeps surfing all the way to 60 and beyond. It would be just yeah. an absolute treat, wouldn't it? Yeah, I know. That, that is trippy, I can tell you. What, meeting meeting Kelly Slater? Well, just, yeah, his his uh, consistency and ability at that level at that age. I mean, it's it's pretty much unheard of. Yeah, it really is. Did you um, get a chance to speak to him about that, like in regards to his routine or in regards to? No, no, no. Look, it was really just a brief chat. He was there with his family, and so we were just uh, having a quick chat, and you know, agreed that we need to get Oki over to his um, surf ranch again, and um, and then you know, he, he's he, he missed out coming to ours. He was going to come over when um, Chris Hemsworth first came over, but he was gearing up for the G Land event, so he decided to go there and get ready. So, um, yeah, so anyway, well, I'm sure we'll get him to our lake at some point soon. Yeah, yeah, well, certainly, man. I'm, I'm sure he'd be keen as anything. Um, you know, I really wonder where he's going to go with his technology, as I do with Urban Surf, and, you know, they've got um, another one opening up in Switzerland, and, you know, yes. I think there's talk about somewhere, somewhere else popping up soon. I just wanted to touch on where you're most excited about your product ending up in the world as like, you know, you were saying you're going to, was it 14 countries? Uh, no, we got like 15 signed on projects, but that's mainly uh, Australia, US, and then one in Singapore. But we've also got projects about to sign on in South America and in Europe and in uh, the Middle East, there's discussions as well. So I think the ultimate is that you have 
you know, most countries with a surf lake training their Olympic team to go into the uh, surfing Olympics. That's That would be phenomenal, right, if you could have Mongolia with a surfing team, right? It would be crazy but very doable. It and, would be and doable. What, what makes it um, what makes it interesting is how quickly they can progress their level of ability uh, where you have this variety of waves with full ocean power. Um, yeah, once once they're on those waves, they can they'll be able to, just the time that they'll get in these pools on the water means that they'll within one year they could have more waves than most people catch in a lifetime. So yeah. it's just in educating them on on you know if they're surfing in the ocean, obviously they've got to learn about you know wave selection and various conditions and what have you. So it's a big jump then to get to the ocean, but at least they've got that um, variety and skill, which takes them ninety percent of the way. Oh, yeah. And I, I actually think I actually think that surfing in the Olympics will end up in a surf park, hopefully ours, because. It provides like the um, snowboarding has with the half pipe. It's the perfect, consistent environment where you're not, you know, it takes luck out of the equation. It's just your skill and ability across the different waves. And because we've got four different main wave types happening, they can rotate around and prove themselves in different conditions and still make it a very genuine um, event, you know, skill comparison. Yeah, definitely. You could hold like multiple disciplines there all at once. Like, you know, I know the bands, um, the bands Triple Triple Crown or US Open, sorry, Triple Crown, definitely the US Open. Um, you know, have many sort of divisions running over. You know, I think it's almost two weeks there down in Huntington Beach. You imagine that, um, ramping that up at a wave pool and just knowing with the certain winds, you know, always. I was actually going to ask you, moving on to that next point about winds and how you would um, actually position a wave pool with the geographical location. Is, does that get taken to taken into account with seasons and um, different weather patterns? Yeah, absolutely. That's the I guess the first thing we're looking for when we're you know designing and orientating the the lake is to what are the trade winds in that area because we want you know, Oki's Peak and the island to be catching the uh, the trade winds most of their life. So at Yapoon, we've orientated at north-south. Oki's is facing east, so because you get southeast to northeast winds 80% of the time, uh, it means it's offshore or glassy most of the time. It's um, pretty phenomenal. That is phenomenal. And even when it was slightly onshore, I would dare say that sort of hollow wave, it's still barrel, it'd just be... It'd just be imperfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's just got a little bit of ripple to it. But a lot of people actually like it when it's onshore because then it's a terrific airs wave. You can just be punting airs. Um, yeah, now not me, but, uh, but those who can do. So it's, um, yeah, it, it, you can't lose. It doesn't matter where the wind's coming from with ours. There's half the lake's going to be offshore. And even the onshore waves are still fine. The, what you would consider a perfect day, it's just got a bit of ripple on it and it's not not being held up by the offshore. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And like you, you speak, you know, so well about your your dream and I know, I know you've obviously put so much detail and, and, and thought and, and um, 
and just time and effort into the project. But yeah. I wanted to know, um, you know, about your beginnings and your education. Like, how did you come into inventing a wave pool and, and where did you start off? Like, I know, I know we talked about the development of the pool, but more so about yourself in your younger years. So, um, you know, I grew up in Yapoon and I had no television, so I actually just got my homework done and did well at school and then got a um, got an opportunity to go to the Defence Force Academy in the Air Force and that was good, but the options were electrical or aeronautical. I chose electrical because I thought, you know, that's where the future is, but I really just found it boring at the time and was 17 and undisciplined. So I dropped out of there, did two years of civil and kept falling asleep in the structural classes. So I thought, what am I going to do? Eventually finished <laughs> mining, mining engineering and uh, just had to finish something. So it took me nine years, five universities across three different streams of engineering to finally get one degree. So I wouldn't recommend that path, but um, it kind of it was what it was. So I eventually finished that. And in terms of you know, what I bring to the, the surf park space, I guess with mining you have a good general knowledge and you're not afraid of big machines. So that's probably a good start. But um, but really what I had to do was bring in the real engineers like, you know, Chris Hawley, who was an electrical engineer, and Kit Sidwell, the mechanical engineer, and the, we got now Brady, who's a civil engineer. So I had to bring in the team of engineers to make this happen. But uh, the initial work I had enough confidence in basic engineering to at least know that the principle could work and then I you know had a couple of uh, friends Shane and Steve who were uh, mechanical and, and structural engineers who could help just verify a few things until I could raise the money to start employing people man you're just surrounded by engineers good people but shitloads of engineers yeah that's it yeah so you know we um <laughs> they're a good crew thankfully most of them are doing it because they just love surfing. So, and you know, we've got a few videos out with Kit there who just talks about the fact that this is the craziest, the most fun job ever. He gets to create giant prototypes and applies his uh, skills and be challenged to the to the uh, to the limit whilst creating the world's, you know, what we think are the best perfect man-made waves. So, you know, it, it, as a surfer, it's a pretty crazy opportunity. Yeah, man, it definitely isn't speaking about surfers and speaking about getting the opportunity to surf your wave. Who have you witnessed that that pool like has been the best to best to come in and surf it? If if you had to say like you know not one of the sponsored athletes, I obviously know they surf extremely well, and that's just because they um, they're unbelievable athletes and they're getting that you know maybe a couple of times here, I don't know the frequency, but they're getting more practice at it. Who would you say is just coming straight off the bat, you know what I mean, and has just picked up the place and, and had the most fun there? Well, mate, I have to say that the person who's just walked straight in and, and got barreled in his first wave was Chris Hemsworth. We He, he came straight into Ockies Peak, hadn't seen a wave, and we wanted to catch the blue shots because the waters get gets a bit messed up now because of uh, you know the way the liner is. He just pulled in absolutely cold, perfectly barreled, and just uh, never stopped all day. I was actually shocked that he could surf that well. Um, so I I I got to give him credit. That was kind of the sh- most shocking example of how someone could just turn up and nail a place from the start. So he yeah, was wh- wow. And I guess. 
it's the old tale of judging a book. Um, you can't judge a book by its cover, you know what I mean? It's always yeah. the case when you look at someone who's been publicising this or, you know, you hear a rumour about them in the community or whatever, and we're all guilty of it. I'm, it's just like sure. human nature, but you don't actually think they're going to have a, a different skill set or they're, they're just um, one-dimensional. And, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's obviously a very talented dude. That's, that, that's so cool to see. It's so cool to just pick it up straight away because – um, well, and that's the thing because, you know, we, we, um, we just warn everyone. Most people, it's, they get shell-shocked by the machine. They're in, you know, they're, they're kind of in a state of shock in there and they often miss their first wave or second wave or what have you. Even some of the pros have stuffed it up from the first one. So, you know, we, we kind of warn everyone and then he just turned around and nailed it. It was, uh, it was quite funny. So, I mean, I knew he was a decent surfer, but. It was just a bit surprising, you know. You think, wow, that's um, that was impressive. Yeah, yeah, insane, insane. I think, um, I think you're going to have so many more people coming through that place that are going to just surprise you more and more and more. And I reckon it's going to yeah, be the younger absolutely. generation, like you were speaking about beforehand. You know, that are just going to take to this like a like a fish in water. You think about getting someone in there when they're two and a half, three, even two for some kids that are just, you know, super with it. It's just going to yeah. be – it's going to be mind-boggling, you know, and well, technology is accelerating everything. Yeah, it's a fair point because we've had a number of grommets up there and, and you know, the, the the beach break is double overhead for them and Ockies is double overhead and so many of them are just no fear at all. They're just charging these waves, these little grommets. It's really cool. Yeah, it is cool. It is cool. And you can dial that wave up and down, can't you, Aaron? Like, you know, yeah, absolutely. For... Yeah, we can run. And I'll tell you what, one of the funnest days was we were just filming the Learn to Surf on the beach break end and they were running, I don't know, maybe two and a half metre stroke of the machine. So they were coming out at, you know, chest high peaks on the beach break. But there was a bit of an offshore that day. And because of the way it was setting up, there was Dingo Mono, who rips Mark Mono Stewart, and then um, an Oki, and the three of them were pulling into barrels on this sort of shorey on the beach break and just ripping this thing apart. It was so fun to watch, just these, you know, like I said, chest-high waves, and they were just perfect peaks both sides. So even at the smaller size, it's amazing. It's like this you know, really beautiful, well, say little waves they are. They're probably, you'd call it a sort of a two-foot day. But, um, but as it creeps up, it just carries more and more power. Insane. What's um what's your best time out there as, you know? What's the best session you've had? Just the most memorable or the that memory that sticks in your in your brain when you're driving to and from work? Um man, I, I don't get a lot of sessions there because every time it's running I'm working and doing presentations and hosting people around. So I duck in and out for a few waves here and there. But um but, yeah, there's been a, a few on the beachy where I've just had a run of waves uh, on the long board or on the mid-length and just loved that. And then because I've got a bit of a stiff left hip, I find it hard to jump up. I'm a natural footer, but I, the pop-up's a bit of a challenge on really st- sharp waves like Oki. So I've actually had to adapt and sort of jump up switch foot in a bit of a pig dog on Oki's right. So I think... The, the most memorable one for me is when I nailed a few of those in a row where I was just taking off of the peak and on this longboard and just screaming and almost barreled. You know, I was, I was running ahead of it too much, but it was it was just very cool to be um, 
to get those waves at Ockies and think, wow, I've actually made progress here and to take off switch foot and then pull back. And that was, that was neat. That was a fun, fun session. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so lovely here. That's, um, they're, they're the special. I, I, I will tell you, I did get in the barrel at Ockies left on the bodyboard. I just didn't quite come out yet. So that's the next thing, mate, is to get fully barreled and come spit out at, uh, at Ockies on the bodyboard. Yeah, but it's way better to be way too barreled and, and get hit by the shock and get knocked off than be in front of the pit. So I reckon you're approaching it That's the it. right way. That's it, yeah. So the first one was full lip launch, smash. The second one I just got hit on the way around and the third one I was in the barrel and then just didn't come out. So um, one more step, mate. I'm nearly there. What, um, what setup are you running for Bergen Fins at the moment? Oh, I can't remember. It's just the biggest bodyboard you can get. Basically, so um, yeah, I'm I'm uh, very much the beginner, so I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Oh, we got to get a photo of it for the for the podcast, as you got to let us know your setup. I usually ask a couple of questions at the end of um, the potty, but I'll save them and I can we just attach a um, photo of your your setup if that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I've just I've left it up at your poon. I'll have to get up there at the end of the month and. So next time I'm up there. When when are you running the podcast? Um, oh, we're probably like a week behind, maybe ten days. So whenever, mate, it's all good. We can attach it yeah. whenever. But I was just saying it'd be it'd be really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> right. I'll, get, I'll talk to Ben Peasley. He'll set me up, and we'll get a photo at D Bar or something, huh? Yeah, yeah, sick. So have you entered in for an up and coming comp in the um the Gold Coast Gold Coast Bodyboarding Club? No, no. I was just there at the one of the comps they had. Just you know first time really so Ben was just showing me a few things so um, I, I'm not sure I'm ready for the comp yet but um, certainly keen to practice I figure if I go and throw myself behind the rocks at snapper on a bodyboard that it's got to be worthwhile run yeah oh mate you'll have the time of your life if you get a proper one out there you only have to talk to we, only, um, we actually had Mitch Rawlins on um, earlier on in the week and he's the master out there when it comes to getting good ones out oh, behind yeah. the rock and yeah, I'll tell you what, you're right, you're right. Down. We've had Mitch up there a couple of times now, mate. He is amazing. Like, he was doing things at that island that I just didn't think were possible. And uh, he actually did the uh, the first sort of night surf up there. And, you know, like, he's a pretty reserved sort of guy. But he we, he took off and disappeared into this, you know, jet black pit. The light was behind. And we heard this incredible banshee yell from the lake but <laughs> he just was screaming his head off comes out of this barrel just spit out of this barrel. it was so funny because we're oh my gosh what the hell was that no yeah, he he harvests so much froth yeah he loves oh, he it is. He yeah yeah it. no he we, we love him in fact it was his um he gave me the bodyboard so he could tell you the setup because he gave it to me Oh, it'd be a found for sure. It'd be a found, found yeah. boog. That's sick. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's it's great. So I've had look, I've had some fun waves on it. I just you know need a bit of coaching. That's all. So we need to um, get into it properly. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Have you noticed um, any sort of difference with your uh, with your with your muscle soreness after sessions? Because when you alternate between surfing and bodyboarding, they you know definitely use different muscle muscle groups in the in the human body. Have you been waking up a bit ginger after a couple of boog sessions with the legs and stuff? 
Yeah, mate, cramping in the calves, I find. I, I don't know whether I've got the wrong fins or something, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't last too long, so I have to work out a plan. Oh, it's a it's a nightmare, dude. That happens to heaps of heaps of bodyboarders, and I think if you're not doing it, you know, heaps regularly and probably stretching them out, which is obviously common sense, but it's more so just finding the time to be able to get in the water, you know, three or four days a week and actually do that. They cramp up so much. I know my hammy sometimes if I've been surfing for over, I don't know, sometimes even an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And it gets it gets bad, you know, like to the stage oh, where I'm almost got atrophy in, in in the water, and the the whole leg just freezes up, and you're just trying to point your your um your fin up towards the, the top of the water just to stretch it out. It's it's crazy. All right, so it's not just me, hey? So no way, right. mate. That's common. That's common. Well, I hope okay. it's common. Yeah, no, that's all right. I don't get that. Look, I used to get that as a kid. If I'd surf for four hours straight, I'd get cramps. But, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sort of been lasting an hour with the bodyboard and then I've got to get out. So yeah. um, that's good. More magnesium tablets and stretching and work, eh? Hey? That's, the, that's the trick. Yeah, yeah. Do you but know I'll tell you what, though. I, I live at surfers and, yeah, the beach breaks off there are pretty rubbish most times. But often there's a, a bit of a heavy shorey there. And um, I've, I've got to take the bodyboard out to that because it looks – you know, about the only craft that you can handle it on and it'd be so much fun. So I've got to do that. I think that's – I'll just reserve the beach break for the bodyboard and then and um, get to Snapper and D-Bar when the, when the comp's on, huh? Yeah. Where are you residing in surfers? Uh, it's, we're actually in the Wyndham building, so just near the Q1. So we bought a couple of apartments there, so little ones and – so that's just our offices at Broadbeach, so it's a pretty handy spot. But I don't—I rarely go out the front because, from a surfer's perspective, the beach breaks, man, they're so hit and miss. It's—it's it's often just a good exercise for paddling. You might get a couple of decent waves, and the rest are a bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah. I was only up there um, with the family, maybe oh, six, eight weeks ago now, and um, we stayed at that Chevron Renaissance. Is that oh, is yeah. that near the Q1 building? Oh, it's somewhere um, around there. I know the name. Yeah, it's just back. And anyway, I think it's a bit further back. And um, yeah, it was epic. You know, really nice um, downstairs pool that had like that huge lagoon set up with all the sand. That pretty much a fake beach, which was which was really cool to see. And I was only yeah. um, thinking about you know salt water and filtration before, Aaron. And you were mentioning magnesium. Imagine being able to do. A magnesium plunge at Surf Lakes, like the whole filtration setup was magnesium based, and you were actually creating therapy for the athletes while oh, they were improving yeah. their skill set. Yep, not a not a silly idea, mate. I'm I look, I'm I'm in the filtration business. I'm more than happy to sort you out. Okay, good plan. <laughs> good plan. We'll, we'll, we'll take the tip. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know it's. Obviously, this is super basic on my behalf, but um, we install filtration systems into pools and they yeah. always want this day and age a mix of salt and minerals or just minerals itself. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I guess it's like what you were saying before about your prototypes, how you're going from small, like small scales, scaling up, scaling up, scaling up. I guess if you have a backyard pool that's, say, forty to 60,000 litres and you scale up to 100 million litres, um you know, the theory could be the same. I don't know. 
Yeah, oh, look, it is. It's it's just a, a giant aquarium, really. Um, so it, it's it's possible. I haven't looked into um, specialist treatments for it like that, but um, it's worth asking the question. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Anyway, you, you're doing a fantastic job, Aaron, and I really appreciate your time coming on the Riptide podcast, Luke's Lounge. Oh, it's been perfect. such a treat, man, and um, I just want to thank you again for the epic work you're doing and really progressing all water sports quicker than we, we ever thought imaginable. So cheers, man. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Look forward to um, catching a wave with you soon enough. Yeah, 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 definitely. Just let me know when those those um, those public centres are open. I'm, I'm there within a heartbeat. Okay. Good on you, mate. <laughs> Thanks, bro. It was all a pipe dream Watching body boarding up on TV Deep at reef Watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds At 18 Living the dream with